Welcome to the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. I'm your host, Justin McIsaac. Uh, by the way, the song is uh, The Presidents of the United States of America. Uh, that's the band. The song is Naked and Famous. Uh, my guest this week is Burt Cohen. Speaking of politics, Burt Cohen, a former uh, New Hampshire state senator, currently hosts his own uh, radio show, Keeping Democracy Alive, on uh, 106.1 WSCA in Portsmouth. So you can check him out. Uh, Burt, uh, Bert's a, uh, I won't say controversial figure. Uh, I guess at times he can be. He gets, in a, he gets in a little trouble from time to time. Very passionate dude. Love Bert. Love Bert's passion. Very smart guy, too. Uh, knows a lot about this stuff. He's very involved in it. He was a delegate for Bernie Sanders this year at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, so we talk about uh, mostly about the presidential election. Get a little bit into New Hampshire stuff, but mostly Trump and Hillary. Enjoy this. This is uh, Bert Cohen on the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. Well, my guest on the podcast, uh, we've traveled all over the place with the podcast. Today we're in Portsmouth, and it's a former state senator and current host of Keeping Democracy Alive on WSCA Radio, Bert Cohen. How are you, Bert? Oh, I'm well. I'm well. How are you? It's nice to see you, as always. And, and you, too. And uh, just a little background for people that, that might not know Bert. Uh, my first radio, I don't even know if you can call it a gig, because it's kind of a volunteer thing. I used to come in to WSCA and do... Uh, Sports. Uh, well, sports and, and an 80s show, too. So Right, right. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and you would follow with your program, yes. and we would kind of meet in the transition, and you would you would generally have a look on your face like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> but, well, but you were very funny, as I recall, like exceedingly so. Well, I... I I've tried to be. Yes, but <laughs> and it was it was quite effective. It's really all I got going for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bert and I have kind of kept touch over the years. Yes. When I produced a show in Manchester, I used to book you as a guest oh, to come right. in that's with right. our mutual friend Jeff Chittister. Yes, and uh, a right wing friend. Yes, believe it or not, I have right wing friends. I do too. And I, do- <laughs> I worked with Jeff Chittister in the early 1980s at WBBX. Really? Here in Portsmouth? Yes. Okay. What? 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 what what station did that end up becoming? Was uh, that, that must have been what, what's now... WAVI and then... WMYF, maybe? No, it was something else, but I can't remember. Hmm. Something starting with the W. It's <laughs> a good bet. Yeah. So uh, for, for those of you that don't know Bert, he's a former state senator. And uh, one that's not shy about his opinions. No, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Occasionally you pop up in the news. Oh, well. <clears throat> occasionally. For, <laughs> yeah, we try to keep that to a minimum. For some shenanigans. But yeah. Who hasn't done that? But uh, So we're here to talk about uh, politics and uh, the election with Bert, because this is... Now, I'm, I'm 38. This has been, and I think most people that are under the age of 200 can say this has been one of the weirdest oh. election cycles in their memory. I have been through a lot of elections. I've been uh, the, the first election that I was uh, well involved with and all was uh, I was nine years old in 1960. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, this is out there. This <laughs> is out there to very unpopular candidates. Yes. Nobody likes either one, but one of them is going to become president. That's a, yeah. That's amazing. You you see some people say this of all the people in the country. I know three hundred million people. We had these two. These are the two. And yes, Gary Johnson's <laughs> no. running. Jill Stein's running. But well, they're not going to win. No. Okay, let's 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 be realistic. Yeah. These it's going to be one of these two. Absolutely. And and of those two, I think we're both voting for Hillary Clinton. I think I don't think no that's choice. any secret. No choice. Yeah. No, there's no choice at all. But I continue to be amazed that Donald Trump, seemingly, in spite of himself is a coin flip away from being the president. And here we are, what, five, six weeks from Election Day? It is 
amazing. I mean, it, Trump himself is amazing enough, but all these people that support him. I mean, I had heard like 30, he has the support of like 35% of women. What woman is going to support him? I mean, come on. He calls them pigs. He calls them dogs. He called a uh, a, a beauty you know, pageant uh, competitor, Miss Piggy. Yeah. What the heck? I don't understand the support for him. It's really disturbing to me because this is unlike any Republican candidate I have ever seen before. This is this is more like somebody really, really out there. And now you and I talked when I was still employed by WTSN. I mm-hmm. filled it for Mike Pomp one day, and uh, on on the uh, on his uh, open mic program. Right. And we were kind of talking about this, I think it was almost a year ago. Was, I think it was last August, so maybe a little more than a year wow. ago. Hmm. Yeah, how time flies. Really? And uh, I kept uh, my theory was that Trump didn't really want to be president, but he couldn't get out of the race because the more outrageous things he said, the more his base loved it. And I, I, I'm sticking with that theory. I, I think he doesn't know what to do at this point. Yeah, it's like he's, I think he's, he's looking for a way out, and he just can't find one. He's gone in so far, and he's so ego-driven. It's like he sort of has to keep going at it. I found it fascinating after the uh, the debate with Hillary. Uh, his his focus was wow, there were over eighty million people watching. <laughs> That's his focus. It's not the issues. It's not what the race yeah. is about. How popular it is. Yes. <laughs> and that, I, it, it's amazing. And during the Republican debates, that's what he would say. He would say, "Look at the ratings. Yes, look, look, at, the look ratings. at the ratings right. they're bringing CNN, as though it was, as, as though it was a reality show." Which you know, I guess you can't guess blame the man for for, for speaking like it is. It's it's boggles the mind. Somebody said to me a while ago, they blamed the entire thing on the television writers' strike. I guess it was in the early '90s, because at the television writers' strike. That's when they came up with these reality shows, mm-hmm. and they found, oh my goodness, they're a lot cheaper, and they make us a lot of money. Yeah. So <laughs> Trump comes out of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, where where do you think his impetus to run for president came? I have a, I have a theory on this. It's not it's not a wild, groundbreaking theory, but he kind of flirted with it in 2012. You remember he landed the plane of peas, the big Trump airplane, or 2011. I think it was working in Manchester. Then he kind of flirted with it. Didn't end up running. My theory, I think his candidacy started uh, at the White House Correspondents' Dinner right before, uh, I think this was also 2011, when, when President Obama, I think, was a few days away from ordering the, uh, the raid to capture Osama bin Laden. And he went at Trump during his monologue for a good two or three minutes, uh, basically mocking the fact that he had to make the choice who to eliminate, Gary Busey or, or whoever, and kind of compared, that, compared to presidential choices. You know, I, I think that's when uh-huh. Trump said, oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to run for president. What do you think about that? That's where I think it started. Well, I, it, it reminds me of something else I read. It, you know, it, they used to say, uh, this was a letter in the New York Times uh, saying that uh, you know, anybody can grow up to be president. You don't even have to grow up. <laughs> he is. Well, that's, that's... He's a kid. He is a kid. It's, it's just he's got all the bad behavior of a young boy. It's, yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. He's watching the debates last night. And while I watched it, I was about seven or eight beers deep because I think that's the best uh-huh. way to watch it. You were probably a little more sober, I think, because you were at a Entire- or were you? Yes, entirely. So. Enti- well, that's entirely. I don't know how you got through it then. But, well, there was uh, a lot of junk food there. <laughs> that's how I got through it. <laughs> but why, why, watching his reaction to things Hillary says, I was reminded of 
my son when he was five or six and something his sister, his sister would do something he didn't like the facial expression yeah. the, the wrong the uh, just the, the just the general no I didn't I mean it's so, it, I mean he was tremendously defensive I thought and I mean people there's this term presidential mm-hmm. I mean he was just the antithesis of presidential not cool not calm he didn't even know what the heck he was talking about most of the time. Even the crowd reacted when you know they were instructed several times not to react. Right. These debates when he said, "I have a better temperament than Hillary," they couldn't help them. You heard people trying to stifle in laughter, but it still came through in the broadcast. Oh my goodness, both of them are you know not not great, but she came across as as confident and she knew what she was talking about. And I, I saw some bumper sticker or something saying, "I'm voting for Hillary because I'm sane." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's been nutty. Let's talk about Hillary for a minute because sure. you and I both were Bernie Sanders Absolutely. supporters, big time Bernie supporter. Yeah, you you were a delegate for Bernie. I was the... a delegate for Bernie. I got to introduce Bernie Sanders twice here in New Hampshire. You did yes. great thrill, I must say. I, I love the man. He's what concerns me now is a lot of the millennials who'd never been in politics before. The, the first time they've been involved is for Bernie. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton is no Bernie Sanders. She's not about a revolution. He is about a revolution. Mm-hmm. But this now we're sort of back to normal. You have we're not, he's not taking on she's not taking on the power structure. She's not taking on you know the corporate owners of America. Sure. She's like a normal Democratic candidate. We've got to work on this stuff. But Bernie is fantastic and he's going to very much involved and help keep her feet to the fire. I mean, I think she's really bad on foreign policy, quite frankly. What she said last night about taking on ISIS all militarily, that's stupid, in my opinion. It doesn't work. But to keep it at all going, to keep the Bernie thing going, we have no choice. We have no choice. I mean, at least we can work with her as Mm -hmm. president, I think. What do you think it was about, and I'll get to kind of how people like you and I have kind of turned the corner and said, well, we were not for Hillary in the primaries right. uh, and, and oh. the run-up. Yeah. And uh, very pro-Bernie, but we've kind of made the decision to vote for Hillary. Because we think, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But what do you think it was about, and I might get his age wrong, a 76-year-old socialist from Vermont that captured the imagination of young people? I, if, you, if you had lined up 100 people, well, let's say you lined up 100 senators, uh, maybe maybe uh, sessions would be last, but maybe Ber- Bernie would be in the bottom ten of the guys. I'd be like, oh yeah, that guy's gonna get young people fired up. But but he did. Who knew? Who knew? I never would have imagined seventy five. He just turned. So, my, he just my, turned seventy five. But uh, I think. I mean, I've tried to figure this out because it was like, what? What? He's he's firing up young people. Yeah. He's sincere. He's different. He's talking to the real issues. I don't know, maybe he's like a, a kindly grandfather or something. I never would have thought it. But I think what's so different is he's he's just telling the truth, and people are really hungry for the truth. He's not pandering, as they all seem to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I've always thought that, that this country is ripe for a, a kind of a populist approach. You know, t- not so much left versus right, but top versus everybody else. And I think the everybody else, you know, after um, Occupy Wall Street, things like that, he touched on that. He talks about these real issues. And now one can actually say the word socialism. One can say that. Before, if you said that, people would just run out screaming. Well, in in 2008, that was one of the the labels that was placed on Barack Obama was, uh, you know, (laughs) you can't vote for him. He's a socialist. And of course, the the joke was, why do Republicans call Obama a socialist? Well, they can't call him the N word. That was. <laughs> I think you're right. Maybe you didn't hear that I one. Think I don't you're know. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, 
Yeah, he really. I, I got to meet him in uh, in Rochester when he opened up his office. And uh, since I kind of know how these things work, I positioned myself and the kids in a spot where I knew he'd have to walk through. Perfect to get there. So we were able to to talk with him for like twenty seconds. You know, and you can't learn a lot from about a man in twenty seconds. But you, I, I think I have. And this is a podcast, so I can say this. I have a pretty good bullshit detector, and <laughs> mine didn't go off. Talking to Bernie right. Sanders, you know, he just, I do, and watching his speech. He's for real. He is for real. There's just no question about it. He's for real. And people, I think, especially in New Hampshire, we have a a very good, very strong bullshit meter, quite yes. frankly. <laughs> and you can tell if somebody's for real or not. And this guy is absolutely the real thing. And and it worked really well. And had he been the nominee, I don't think Trump would have a prayer. I don't. It's 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 very interesting that the two people running for the major parties. I think if anybody else from the other party had been selected as the yes. nominee, would have been buried. These are the only two that they would have a chance against. The one Hillary, Hillary wouldn't have a chance against anybody, but Trump, Trump wouldn't have a chance against anybody, but Hillary. I agree. It's, I think that's very astute. Yes, it, it's kind of amazing how it's worked out that way. But let's yeah. let me ask you this. So, sure, you more than anybody working for the Bernie Sanders campaign, you had you had a lot more uh, more uh, skin in the game than I did. Certainly, I just had a bumper sticker and you know went back when I was employed, donated to the campaign, and went to some rallies. You know, but you were working for Bernie Sanders, and you you're much more involved in politics and things like that than somebody like me, Joe Sixpack, that, kind of, that has strong opinions but isn't you know isn't in the game, so to speak. How does a guy like you go from working your ass off for Bernie Sanders? Through the primary, and then once he once the writing's on the wall, and you can kind of see that Hillary's going to be the nominee, you know, by hook or by crook, whatever, mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can we can talk about that for a long time. Uh, but by hook or by crook, she's the nominee, and make the transition to say, well, this is what we have to do now. How how did you personally make that transition? It wasn't easy, I assure <laughs> you, because I really like Bernie, and quite frankly, I I still don't really like Hillary, mm. but. Uh, you know, it helped a lot. Bernie said right from the very beginning that if he were not, if he did not get the nomination, he would support the nominee of the Democratic Party, and I respect that very much. He didn't, he wasn't bought out. He didn't sell out. Mm-hmm. You know, all people have all these theories. He did what he said he would do, and um, I really, there's a couple of things in this world that I really, really, really don't like. One is racism. One is fascism. Mm-hmm. Trump is both. He is both. I really hate racism, and I really hate fascism. And, you know, there are people who now say, oh, you know, Bernie's great. I can't stand Hillary. I'm going to vote for Jill Stein. Well, we don't have that luxury because immigrants would get hurt. Immigrant families would be broken up. They'd tear families apart, literally, if, if Trump were elected. I cannot accept that. He's, he's, I mean, Muslims? Oh, my God, forget about it. You know, and there's some... How, you start with Muslims, and who knows where the heck you end up here. Right. This is a real danger, in my opinion, to the traditional America that I grew up with in the 50s and 60s. And uh, that's what does it for me, really. I mean, because yeah. one of the two is going to become president. Is Hillary Clinton ideal? Far from it. But she's decent on education. Uh, she at least recognizes climate change. She's not perfect on that. But, uh, and I think she cares about civil liberties. Uh, she, she, you know, she's fair on social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, we can work with her and I think keep her feet to the fire. You know, I disagreed with, uh, when I was pretty young, President Johnson over mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. I was really angry at him for the Vietnam War. But all in all, he did a pretty good job. 
domestically. And I think Hillary can do the same thing. I mean, I hope I hope she doesn't start wars. I'm worried about that, but she's, she's, not, she's not crazy. Well, yeah, she's very hawkish. Yeah. She's certainly more hawkish than Barack Obama, and I'm concerned about that. But I think she'd be good on, you know, tax reform, you know, making uh, big corporations pay their fair share, keeping college affordable. These are, you know, as I said, she's not perfect, but she's... I mean, you, you just, I mean, we can't have Trump. We just can't have Trump. <laughs> I see a lot of parallels in this presidential election between uh, this year and in 2000. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little brief aside. When I was, uh, let's see, 16, I was 22 in 2000? Sure. But around that age. So, like, the age that millennials are now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting ready for this election, I, or for that election, I was... Uh, I thought I thought I like most people in their younger twenties. I thought I knew everything. And of course. I, and I looked at George W. Bush because who you know at that point you didn't realize he was going to go on to you know start an illegal war in Iraq and you know lose a city to Hurricane Katrina and things like that. You didn't know about that. He just kind of seemed like a bumpkin, you yeah. know, like a harmless yeah. bumpkin. Harmless bumpkin. And Al Gore seemed to run away from the Bill Clinton uh, legacy, which I feel was a mistake in retrospect. Oh, yeah. But at, at the time. Watching them make speeches as a as a, a kid at the time, trying to pay attention, I didn't see a whole lot of difference between the two, for for whatever reason. Yeah. So I was one of those people that said, "Well, if they're both the same, my vote doesn't." You know, I'm going to vote for Ralph Nader, and I went and voted for Ralph Nader, and I know a lot of people that went and voted for Ralph Nader. And if everybody that had voted for Ralph Nader had voted for Al Gore, Al Gore would have won New Hampshire. Florida wouldn't have mattered. He would have won the Electoral College. Be no war in Iraq. Would have been no war in Iraq. There would have been who who knows what else. Who knows how the the chips fall after that? Probably better. I think we can safely say. Oh yeah, probably better. But I I so when I look back on that, I feel a personal responsibility Hmm. for the things that happened because I you know I wanted the perfect candidate. Right. And I could, and I, and when I couldn't get it, I stomped my feet, and I went. I voted for Ralph Nader, <laughs> and I said, "I'm taking my ball, and I'm voting for the Green Party guy." Right. And when I talk to people I know, people that are my age still, that that there are some people that really liked Bernie Sanders and liked everything he stood for, and when he didn't, when they didn't get everything they wanted, and they didn't like Hillary, they said, "I'm voting for Gary Johnson." Yeah. Uh, which, which, first of all, I don't know how you go through the mental gymnastics of that. I've met Gary Johnson several times. I think he's a wonderful man. Uh, disagree with him vehemently on some things. I don't know how you go right. from Bernie to Gary. I guess I understand the I don't want to vote for an establishment person. How does Hillary, with six, five or six weeks to go, convince people that uh, what what the stakes are here and how to get those you know millennials? I guess is the big demographic she needs. How does she get them to realize what could happen? Well, I have made my suggestion to the campaign. We'll see if they follow through on that. <laughs> it's just little old me, but. I think Bernie Sanders has to do a TV ad or something to go out to social media and say, hey, millennials, vote for her. You want us revolution to go forward? I think it's got to come from Bernie. I don't see any other way of doing it. She's not connecting with people, with the millennials. It's just, it's not happening. It's absolutely not happening. Uh, it's, it's, I think, very, very difficult. And I think, you know, if you live in a state like Massachusetts, which is going to vote Democrat, right. then you can vote for Jill Stein or uh, Gary sure. Johnson. But New Hampshire... It's a swing state. New Hampshire could decide the election. It can decide the election. It did in 2000. Yes. And one Ralph Nader was quite enough. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I actually like Gary Johnson's foreign policy. I think he's, he's you know, much Sure, there are things I like about Gary yeah, Johnson, yeah, yeah. but uh, overall, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think if you're a libertarian, you've got to start showing up more than every four years and running for president. Yeah, you, that's you, true. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's true. But the point is, you know, 
Jeff Beck, one of my favorite rock and rollers, sure. has a new song out. He's scared for the children. Mm-hmm. Scared for the children. And that we got to think about that in all seriousness. If we have, I mean, I can just picture, you know, uh, Mussolini, you know, had his, his, his thugs going around beating up, you know, foreigners and things like that. And this could happen with the, with the thuggish Trump people. And we just can't have that. We just can't, you know, and I, I have kids and you have kids and we got to think about that. Is Hillary perfect? No, but she's at least patriotic, I think. And, and, and Trump, I mean, fascism, it, we fought a war against rather extreme fascism called Nazism, which is different. Mm-hmm. But the Japanese were fascist, too. That's not American. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather not have the corporations calling all the shots. I think Hillary will do something about that. Not as much as I'd like. But she's within... You know the the orbit of of normal American values, and and I think uh, we we just have to do that. How do we reach the millennials? They scare me, quite frankly. I'm really worried about them. That they may tip the election. Mm-hmm. They, they got to realize a vote for Stein or Gary Johnson, if you live in a swing state, is a vote for Donald Trump. And I don't think they're getting it now. They feel like you know they want to have their own conscience. They want to vote their conscience. That's selfish. That's really selfish, yes, in my that's, opinion. That's. It, that's well. That's what I struggled with as a you know in two thousand. Right, right. Like I wanted, I want my cake. You can't uh, give me my cake. I can't right. have my cake. Okay, I'm gonna go have a yodel with a uh, with Ralph Nader. Fine, I'll find a way to have cake. Well, we we just can't have that. We just can't have that. You know, you, you're putting your feeling pure ahead of the interests of immigrants and Muslims and blacks and who knows who else. And that's the, to me, it's just not acceptable. So you, you, you mentioned putting Bernie Sanders in an ad. In 2008, yeah. I remember after a, a very bitter campaign on the Democratic side with the yes. Barack Obama and Hillary Ooh, that Clinton. that was bitter. It, it was, it was dag oh, nasty. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I, I specifically remember once Barack Obama had it wrapped up, Hillary was, was on the trail stumping her ass off for yep, him. Yep. And Bill, I re- remember Bill Clinton speaking in Rochester. I went to see him at the Opera House. He said, why do you think Hillary's out here killing herself? Because she knows that he'd be a better president. Right. Than, than, I'm surprised, and Bernie's doing that, too. I, well, I, I'm surprised. That he's, he seems to be doing it. I'm surprised he hasn't been deployed more locally, yeah, you know, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's a Vermont guy. I'm surprised he's not just hanging out in New Hampshire the whole... If I was Hillary Clinton, I would say, Bernie, just... Plant you know, yourself in New Hampshire. Yeah. Get yourself a nice hotel room in Manchester, centrally located. True. Here's a nice SUV. You need to go up to Littleton. Go ahead. It's on our dime. You want to go to Nashua? They got a lot of dimes, Lord. (laughs) They do. But there's also, you know, Pennsylvania and Ohio. I don't know how Bernie plays there, but those are big, important states. Oh, yes. Hugely important. But New Hampshire is very important, too. There's a lot of things going on in New Hampshire this year. And yes. just, I mean, the presidential thing is, is the most important. But I wanted to briefly touch on it. And I've used a lot of your time. I'll, I won't use a whole lot more. But just wanted to ask oh, you. Fun. The, we, we have a, a senatorial race yes. between a, a sitting governor who's quite popular, Maggie Hassan, who's somebody who I'm trying to get on this podcast. And I, I'll, I'll knock on what hopefully it'll happen. Uh, and uh, Kelly Ayotte. Who's also popular. Who's also popular and is very popular with people with a lot of money. In their, you know, as far as a Republican Senate goes, yes. how do you see that playing out? Because I think that's going to go. That's I could see that being a recount. It's going to be so close. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Of course, I'm often wrong. Lord knows. <laughs> yeah, but same here. I, I I do think it's going to be very very tight. I mean, Maggie Hassan. You know, when she had that thing about keeping uh, refugees away, I did not like that. Uh, she's been uh, very, very tough on medical marijuana. I think it's, she's been quite wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kelly Ayotte, 
I mean, you know, and I know she's pretty much to the right, and you know, her votes on a Supreme Court for a Supreme Court justice would not be good. But I'm not sure she's given the average person a reason to toss her out. You know, really, she's likable. She's got a nice smile. That ad with the baseball, it's mm-hmm. a good ad. You know, you got it. And they matter a lot. It's like how you look that counts, unfortunately. That's, that's a lot of it. And I, I once, on the, when I was campaigning for state senate, I was at a factory gate. People were coming out. This woman looked at me. She said, I like your smile. I'll vote for you. <laughs> I'm like, what? I mean, I'll take your vote, but doesn't it matter what I stand for? I don't know. Kelly, AR, I think it's going to be a tight race, really. I, I, it could well be. We have an interesting gubernatorial race, too. We got uh, uh, son of Sununu, uh, Chris yeah. Sununu running. and uh, How many Sununus are there? I don't know. A lot. <laughs> Well, you know, people didn't want more bushes, you know, and true. we got a dynasty here. I, I don't know. I, I hope Colin Van Ostrom wins it. I was for Mark Connolly, mm-hmm. a, a really good guy. I think he was actually a hero. And quite frankly, I think he'd be a very good governor. He was not such a great candidate. He didn't connect it, with people. It's interesting that because I think that's a, a problem with Hillary Clinton, too. I think she'd right. be a, a very competent president. Right. But she doesn't really connect with people. And, and she doesn't. And campaigning for off an office is a lot different than serving an office, as you well know. Absolutely. Two different jobs. Because, yes. Because you've run... I, I mean, I ran for class president at Spalding High School a few times. Oh, right. Went, went two and one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you've run for actual offices. Oh, yeah. What, I, I've won some. Yes. And what what sort of what sort of stresses do you go through? I mean, even on the level you're at. I mean, state senate. I, I think like state senate is a is a respectable office. Uh, state. Yeah, I rep- used to be respectable. State representative is a whole other ballgame. Yeah, but really. state, <laughs> state senator, I feel, is a respectable. Yeah. You know, um, people need to trust you. You need to connect with people. People need to feel like you're on their side. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I went out, I was applying for a job. They were the boss. They were going to hire me or not. Sure. And I think it's that way all the way up too. You know, who's going to work for my best interest? Hillary's got to make that uh, make the sale. Yeah, I hope it's happening. I'll well, do what I can for. On a, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff because I've never been involved in it like personally. But I like I I kind of geek out for it. Like I'll I'll be on five thirty eight dot com every day looking at this stuff. And oh yeah, but it's addictive. It's like a drug. <laughs> oh, it really is. You get your fix and more and more. Our, our friend Jeff Chitterser has said it's the professional sport of New Hampshire. Politics. It is, but I agree. We don't have him. a pro sports team, so this no. is what we have. What is it like as a candidate on election night when you're waiting for results to come in? What sort of nosebleed is is that feeling in your gut? Well, it depends on the year. <laughs> <laughs> Nosebleed feeling in your gut, I guess. Oh, That's my a God. mixed There's, metaphor. Yeah, but. it is. There was one year in particular where it was close. Uh, in the year 2000, uh, it was very, very close. I wasn't worried. Then all of a sudden, uh, we got really, really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. It's I've, I've tried losing. It's much better to win. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. All right. You, before I let you out of here, Bert, sure. Give me your predictions for the uh, the presidential race, the uh, gubernatorial race, and the Senate race. I know there's – I think Carol Shea Porter is going to smash Frank Inta, but what do I know? Well, but the for concern the- I have in that race, I have to say, there's an independent who doesn't have any different positions from Carol Shea Porter. <laughs> Carol Shea Porter is terrific. She's just been great on the issues. I mean, I never thought my congressperson – would vote the way I wanted all the time <laughs> from New Hampshire. And yeah. she did. She's terrific. I hope the heck she wins. I really do. She got really lucky that uh, Ashu didn't win the primary because mm-hmm. I think now that Frank Inter is the nominee, I think, yeah, she'll probably win. Uh, I don't know about Ayotte and, and Hassan. I, I, I wouldn't call that. I do think, I think Hillary's going to win. I think she's going to win. <laughs> Bert's squinting <sighs> and praying and hoping. Knocking on wood here. <laughs> 
Oh, I just hate, I mean, oh my goodness, uh, November 9th, I don't want to wake up with, with the fear of dread. I mean, you know, I, are we going to, my sister's talked about uh, opening up a bank account in Canada just in case, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is Not some moving there, but just stuff. keeping some money there? Well, there's a preparation. Maybe. Our I don't goes know. I, I like their president, Trudeau, he's all right. He's got a good he's first a good name, man. Justin. Oh. That's it. Indeed. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Bert Cohen, uh, when can we hear your show? Uh, Uh, Plug away, please. Well, it's a podcast. You know about podcasts, right? People can hear it anytime, anywhere on the planet, I think. Uh, It's keepingdemocracyalive.com. You can just go there and do whatever works. I don't know how it works, but it does. (laughs) Uh, And uh, otherwise, it's uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, Thursdays, noon to 1 on uh, SCA 106.1. And I also have Fine Aged Rock on Thursday from 10 to noon where all the artists must be 50 or older or would have been had they made it to this day. It's got to rock. It's got to rock. There you go. Bert Cohen, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always fun. And uh, as a fan of dystopian sci-fi, maybe we'll see what happens if Trump wins. But there you go. (laughs) Thanks, Thank you. This is fun. All right, there you have it. That was Bert Cohen uh, on the uh, podcast. Love Bert. Like I said, passionate dude. Knowledgeable dude, too. I mean, he really... uh, he cares a great deal about this sort of stuff. He really uh, really is a patriotic uh, uh, political, I, I guess the term is wonk. He's a political wonk. For, you know, he was a state senator, so you have to be into it to be a, to, to do that job. So uh, there you go. Uh, as always, please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, even if you're even if you listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, I think that helps us somehow. Maybe it'll allow me to go uh, trick some business into sponsoring this podcast, which would be nice for me. Little money in the pocket. Uh, subscribe and leave a rating. Uh, we appreciate uh, everybody that listens. Uh, still looking for next week's guest, but we'll uh, figure that out. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.